Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Mic on the Podium with me, Michael Seal. Before we start, I'd like to thank my latest subscribers on Patreon for their support. Thank you, Jim, Annette and Simon. If you would like to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash a mic on the podium and you'll find many ways to subscribe, plus extra bonus material and episodes to enjoy. You can also support the show by leaving a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, which will help expand the audience and is greatly appreciated. Today, I'll be conducting a conversation with a conductor who combines her conducting with her career as a contralto. She founded her own ensemble, Orfeo 55, in 2009 and is currently chief conductor of the Christian Sand Symphony Orchestra in Norway. It's a real pleasure to welcome Natalie Stutzmann. Natalie, really nice to chat to you today. Thank you, Michael. I'm very happy too. Um, it's fair to say that you grew up in a very musical family. Uh, you had very musical parents. Could you tell me uh, how music first came into your life and what it was like growing up in such a musical family? Yeah, I actually grew up in a singer family. My, my parents were both um, opera singers. And, um, well, first of all, you don't see them often. Oh, well, that's true, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, so I have, uh, of course, lots of memories of... Uh, them practicing or but i also have a lot of memory of uh, suitcases mm. um and being um, here and there with my grandmother or with a nanny or and actually um i was lucky enough that um when they were home um i was listening to music and my grandmother was also a, a huge music lover so i just grew up surrounded by um music sound all the time someone was practicing piano, someone was singing, someone was playing a CD. Mm. So it was really part of the life. Yeah, and, you, and and as a child, you know no difference. So you would expect that everybody was growing up with music around them all the time. Exactly. And um, as far as I remember, I thought it was absolutely normal to, to hear music or make music or live with music. Uh, it took me um, a long time to understand that was not the same case for everyone. Mm. Um, and and also for me it was just like an evidence that uh, I I was just uh, totally in love with this and uh, uh, I couldn't imagine life without it. No. Um, and instruments. Were you playing instruments at this stage, or what were the instruments you chose to play? Yeah. Well, I heard that very early. I was already uh, singing a lot and and trying to play the piano. But I started with the piano actually when I was seven, and um, and then I played uh, I played viola. Mm. Uh, I wanted to play clarinet, but they said it's not for a, an instrument for the woman. So oh, I really? was very frustrated. <laughs> yeah. It, it, can you imagine? It was not so far so far away. I'm I'm still quite young and. Uh, when you think about it, it's it's incredible. I mean, they just said, no, no, it's not appropriate for a for a girl. It's much better. And I was too too old for the violin when I wanted to start. I was I was ten, and they said, no, no, it's too late for the violin. You should do alto, and you have such a low voice when you speak, it will fit. <laughs> so I started the viola, and I had to stop the viola because actually. I have a funny 13, I have 13 ribs, so I couldn't put the viola on my shoulder. <laughs> ah, well, 
I mean, I have to say, uh, I, think I was a violinist who, first of all, started when they were nine, so maybe I should have been told not to start. And uh, and I also learned the viola, and the viola hurts. You know, I'm a big guy, but the viola still yeah, hurts it, to play. It really hurts. Yeah, yeah. It really hurts. <laughs> so when I, I stopped that, I started the bassoon. Mm. Um, and so I, I, I went on a long time with piano and bassoon as the main instruments. But uh, you were also singing all of the time, and I'm assuming that either your mum or your dad would, were teaching you to sing, or were they just happy for you to take your own path? So, you know, as a singer, you, you cannot practice and have any kind of lessons before um, the maturity is coming. So for girls, it's around 15, 16. Mm. So I had no lesson at all uh, before I was 16. But I was, I was also singing all the time. I had this very strange and very loud voice. Mm -hmm. And everyone was always asking me to sing. And as I was listening opera a lot, I, I knew lots of operas by memory. I was just singing all the time. Um, my, my friends in the school would even pay me to sing something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you started very early. <laughs> it, was, it was quite funny. I mean, they were really, they were really interested in that. Yeah. Um, voice is, is something um, kind of more approachable for people who, who have no idea about classical music sometimes, you know, because it's kind of a normal way uh, to express for them. And mm. um, yeah, so I was, I was also singing, but I, I was also conducting uh, my friends and uh, uh, it was quite funny uh, also as a four years old, you know, if I was um, hearing some music in the street, I was immediately going in front. And uh, I always thought I will, uh, I will be a conductor Oh. And a singer, <laughs> <laughs> which you are. Um, yeah. Well. So, so, so did at any point did you think, or maybe what's better? A better question would be, at what point did you think that music might be a a job? I know it isn't a job, but you know, what music might be the way that you earn your living. Was that something from early early years, or did you have you have other interests? As um, as you say, as long as I can remember. I mean, I don't yeah. know which age I was, but probably four or five, I knew that was the only way for me. Mm. Uh, there, were, there were no, you know, I had this, like children can have this, uh, I was absolutely sure that I will make my life with music, you know, without mm. any doubt, without any fear of difficulties, only children can have this, you know, of course. <laughs> Yes, it's much, much more difficult than this, but but I was I had no doubt. My way was very clear, um, and I had no question doubt. And so, at what point or what age were you when it became clear that actually being a singer was going to be what you were going to become in early in your early life? Well, it was it was the the reaction to life um, mm. when I was uh, fifteen. I was still uh, I would must in my last master classes of uh, of piano and I was playing the bassoon in the orchestra of the music school mm. and um I entered the class and I was the only girl and mm. the teacher was such a macho <laughs> that <laughs> I was sitting and I could follow the class but he never ever gave me the baton to conduct the orchestra when all my colleagues had a chance to conduct the orchestra mm. and I felt this injustice and this it was so painful um, and so cruel mm. um, 
that I suffered a lot about that. Uh, I was dying to. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure <laughs> I, you were. Yeah. We yeah. need our instrument. We need the orchestra. Yes, of course. Uh, but it, uh, then I stayed, and uh, it, after a year, I it was very clear to me that if I want to do something serious and. I am not someone who likes to do things as dilettante. Mm. Um, and it was very clear that I had no chance because I was a woman and yeah. the time was not uh, ready for for real uh, real uh, possibility for that. Mm. And uh, I'm sorry, uh, you hear some very British ringing sound. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who dares to call. <laughs> Probably this teacher. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that was the first uh, thing which made clear that my dream uh, of conducting was not something I could consider at that moment. Yeah. And um, then I started my singing lessons. I was 16. And um, it was clear from the, from the six first months that I had a special voice which attracted uh, attention to people. And um, two years after, I won an um, international competition and I immediately was taken to the Opera Paris uh, School mm. and I got concerts. And I, I had only two years of singing, I, I got that. So the choice was made by the obvious uh, destiny yeah, that yeah. it was probably the, the, the best uh, thing to start with and also that I, I had more special um, talent for singing than for the piano or the bassoon. Yeah. So I, 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 the, the choice was made by the results I got, which was, um, which were so fast. Yes. Yeah. So um, a stratospheric rise, as they call it, you know, from a 16 year old into being, you know, an international career within a matter of years, which is, yeah. yeah. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, that puts you in a in a specific place, and people expect you to therefore just sing. Um, do you look back in any way? I mean, I've not really touched on the podcast on the feminine conductor thing at all because you know you're just conductors to me, and that, that's not. But looking back to about your experiences with your your macho conducting teacher, as you called him, um, I'm interested to know that. Do you wish that you had have been given the chance then? and conducted and sung throughout your career? Or do you think that spending the years that you did standing next to um, great conductors and watching them from the pit has made you a better conductor for having done that more often? Do you, do you understand? Well, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it's actually the first time anyone asked me this question. Right. And I think it's a brilliant question because it's, it's, it's all about what happened in my life yes uh, and um, it's very interesting uh, I truly believe uh, that uh, what I can bring today as a conductor is the result of so many years of standing with the greatest conductor on earth mm. and being surrounded by the orchestra by those rehearsals especially with my type of repertoire and career i was i was not an opera singer i was a concert singer mainly mm. and i was sitting there all the time and when 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 you get this i mean any young conductor would absolutely dream mm. 
to, to, to eat so many rehearsals and hours with the best conductors and orchestras in the world. I mean, I started that, I, I did the B minor mess with Karajan. I mean, I mean, you know, it, it, I mean, you have everything uh, and, and it's food for the future. So mm. it is absolutely sure that all of this was, uh, I mean, no, no young conductor can have such an amount of experience and of great music uh, surrounding I had for so many years. And I also think it gives a very interesting perspective to be the soloist because it's, it's something else. Mm. And it's something which um, opens your uh, work as a conductor. Um, it's also, uh, it has a big influence of the way, um, I mean, when you, when you have spent a life to, to, to get this instrument shape, but to shape the phrase and to how to deal with every note, every, what do I do with this color and this vibrato and how do I do this legato and this and that. It's such a help when you work as a conductor with the orchestra to explain and even to sing it to the orchestra, mm -hmm. um, how to phrase and how to make the orchestra singing. Um, it also, um, when you sing a lot of um, in groups or chorales or oratorios, your ears are really made into the harmony. And uh, especially when you have a low voice, you are always singing the basement of the music, you know? <laughs> and, and that's something sometimes I miss with some, some interpretations uh, of, of conductors that, you know, sometimes it sounds beautiful, but you, you miss the, the substance of the low register of those um, inner voices, which are uh, not so interesting alone, but crucial in the group. Mm. So I do, I do think um, um, the fact that um, my career as conductor is going so fast and so nicely is due to the fact that I, I am a very old conductor in that sense. Mm. Uh, mm. But of course, I wish I could have done this from the beginning, even if I adore to sing. And, and uh, I, I truly um, believe this is, it will be always um, my most in natural uh, instrument. Uh, I born as a musician, not as a singer. Mm. And uh, it was also very frustrating sometimes to be only a singer and not make music you know this is really with the orchestra the first time of my life i have the feeling to express the music i have in myself since so many years which i couldn't uh, express really with the limit of the voice and the limit of the fact you have only one line to sing mm, yeah i mean it, it, it's it's an interesting question that i have been asked um i'm glad i've asked it to you and it sounds like you enjoyed answering it um because I spent 22 years playing in the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra as a violinist, and people have said to me since I retired and became a conductor, don't you wish you'd done it sooner? And my answer <laughs> to that has always been, no, I don't, because, you know, I sat quite near the front. I sat and watched the greats rehearse. I sat and watched singers uh, and soloists performing, and all of that has gone to form me into being a conductor. Um, yeah. you, know, you look back and think, well, yeah, I could have been a conductor for longer, but would I have known so much? Would I have known how to speak to an orchestra, how not to speak to an orchestra, and watched all these people at work? Well, then I wouldn't have done.
Of your experiences in concert work as a singer, which conductors stood out for you um, that you stood next to or worked with um, in that time? You've already mentioned Carrie-Anne, but are there others that you would specifically highlight and remember as being, you know, an incredible experience? Well, it's, it's hard because um, I can't say there was one who just marked my life and that's it. Mm. I really feel it's, it's the mixture of all of them. Yes. Uh, some are marvelous also to, to work with and sing with, uh, like uh, Ozawa, for example, who, yes. who has been very helpful and supportive to my conductor career as well later on. Mm. But, um, and some others are unpleasant, but you can still admire the way they, they work the orchestra, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I can't say I, I have one figure that I just adore. There is one conductor I adore, but unfortunately I never sang for him, is Carlos Kleiber. Yeah. Um, I, was, uh, I was not lucky to, to have uh, a week with him, unfortunately, but he was doing so little after, after a while, as you yes. all know. Well, you, um, you, can, you can save that as what, the answers to one of the 10 questions at the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, yeah, I like yeah. those questions sometimes. And of course, yeah. um, the, the greatest time I had the last years was uh, with Sir Simon Rattle, who yes. was uh, um, still is some kind of mentor to me and who I admire so much in his way of rehearsing and uh, yeah. his diplomacy and his, he's never giving up, but he has, uh, he has such a wonderful way of um, making music with musicians and treating musicians, uh, dealing with the group. So mm. it was, it was, uh, I learned a lot just uh, singing with him and, and uh, watching his rehearsals. So, um, uh, in 2009, you found, or fa what's the word, founded, uh, you started uh, your own chamber orchestra called Orfeo 55. Um, had you had any conducting lessons or, I, know, I, I read that you were mentored by Sergio Zola and then Simon, but was this all around the same time or, di or did you just start Orfeo 55 and then seek some advice? How did it come about? What was the chronology of it? Yeah, well, no, I, I, I already had some uh, lessons before mm. I started this and um, uh, it was kind of parallel project. It was, yeah. it was, the first idea was just to come back to um, to the best repertoire for a contralto voice, which at the end I didn't sing a lot. Um, talking about Bach and Vivaldi and Handel, um, at the end I sang a lot of romantic uh, repertoire and uh, and a lot of lead and the recital with piano was was one of my specialty, the leader Abend, which I adore. But you know, I just realized there are so many pieces of the earlier uh, repertoire that I didn't sing. Uh, so I wanted to sing this repertoire, and I, I thought to combine it and to, to, to do something that nobody has never done, like uh, conducting and singing uh, mm. together, was, a, was a, a funny dream, uh, especially when people said it was impossible to achieve. I was very happy just to show that it was possible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it was a parallel because my my wish of conducting was was really the the symphonic uh, repertoire and uh, yeah. actually my my core repertoire is a huge one is more Strauss Wagner and Bruckner than anything else. Um, but you know it was it was a bit um, 
all the parallel because I was still singing a lot. Mm. Um, and uh, of course I had Ozawa and uh, Rattle, but um, I wanted to have um, a little, uh, um, let's say, uh, cleaning up of my technique and everything. Yes. And Simon said, you, you should do an audition for, for your Mapanula. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and so that's what I did. I, I went to the audition in the Sibelius Academy mm. and I went there totally incognito. Yeah. So uh, it was interesting and uh, he was uh, very rude with lots of people in front of me. And <laughs> I, I thought, what I'm doing here? Uh, and uh, I came with some Brahms symphonies and conducted Brahms symphonies and didn't kick me out. And uh, he asked me to stay the next day. And I yeah. said, why? He said, because I have the full orchestra tomorrow. And I just said, does it mean you keep me? And he shouted on me, yes, of course. <laughs> and I was like a child. I, I thought, oh gosh, is this terrible man says yes, maybe I have some capacities. So it was the start of of, um, of crazy year mm. uh, where I was flying all the time to Finlandia when I had time between concerts, I was singing um, to study with him and do master classes and um, uh, I mean, it's special, but it was very good for me because he's someone who is going to the essential and uh, it was very helpful. Um, you have to work a lot by yourself, but, uh, you know, he's not someone who will show you anything. He will never take your arm and show you how to be this or to do that or to show that, but he will clean up. <laughs> mm. for no, sure. I I studied with him for a very short period. Um, oh, so you know. Yeah, I do. Um, it's wonderful to hear your experiences of him, and uh, uh, and yeah, he does he does clean you up. Um, you know, all extraneous things that you might have picked up, any bad habits. You know, he gets rid of those, and he talks about the basic things that will that will get you out of trouble later on. You know, when you think about what this, I need to be clear. What would you almost say? And exactly. Then, yeah, you you suddenly you can do it. But yeah, you yeah. do. You do have to figure out a lot for yourself, and and it. You actually, I found I learned more by watching how he was with other people sometimes. Yeah. Than, than, yeah. Also. Yeah. Um, yeah. He. Uh, I've called him the Yoda of the conducting world in a previous podcast because <laughs> <laughs> you know he doesn't say very much, but when he does, it's worth listening. Yes. Yes. He says one word a minute, uh, an hour, but you remember those words. Yeah, you do absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean that's a perfect uh, combination that you know you were you were speaking to people as open as Azawa and Rattle, and then having you know clean up lessons with with Yoma Panela, um, and 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 that then gave you the chance to do guest conducting. Now I've called guest conducting the hamster wheel of guest conducting that you get on, and you know you're flying one week here, another week there. How do you find it? Do you like it? Um, you know, for the first date thing, when you go to an orchestra for the first time, how do you find it? I, when, when it's a new orchestra, I find it very stressful mm. uh, because you never know. No, no. Know. Uh, before the first rehearsal, I am one of those conductors, like many of, uh, of us, just saying that uh, I feel a bit nervous. I mean, because I don't know how they will react. I don't know if the contact will be good. And we all know that the first minutes are already crucial. Yes, your yeah. has an opinion on you very quickly and you also have an opinion of your feelings. And you know after the first hour um, if the week is going to be great or not. Yes. 
So it's it's always a bit stressful, but it's exciting, of course, especially if it's a great orchestra and uh, and uh, an orchestra you admire. So mm. um, in a way, I am very happy and excited, and I I'm looking for it, and you know, I'm just. Um, like on the starting blocks just ready to go uh and and most of the time it's 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 working very well so um it's very enriching um in a way um this life of traveling is very hard uh when you do so much guest conducting it's it's of course every orchestra orchestra and every country with different uh, culture background uh, different sound um, and music uh, habits uh, it's very very rich for for growing up with your yes. conductor but i must say i'm very happy to be chief conductor in norway because it's it's wonderful to have uh, also my family there uh, where i go back and i know everyone by their name and uh, we know each other very well now already um, i'm also you know, I, I, I was until now the principal guest conductor in Dublin mm. with the radio orchestra. It's same. Uh, it, it's wonderful to have uh, some some basement uh, in the middle of, of this life and to not travel all the time, but just do a long term work with them. I really like this. I, I, I like to to build up um, the sound and, and the, the evolution of the orchestra, because sometimes the guest conducting is wonderful, but a bit frustrating. It's like when you give a master class and you have a great uh, student, and and you see for a week, and then then you have to wait one or two years uh, to be back. Mm. Um, I mean, I was going to go on to Dublin and to Christian Sund, where you are a chief conductor. Um, those positions came quite quickly, um, and therefore, I'm assuming that. That, that that was two orchestras that you met for the first time and, and there was a bond formed quite quickly. Um, yeah. How did that come about? I mean, for instance, with Christian Sand, what was it like the first time you conducted there? And was it was it an instant thing? I mean, I know some orchestras instantly fall in love with the conductor. Yeah. Um, did you instantly fall in love with the orchestra? Yes, yes, it was uh, just a wonderful week. And uh, what I loved with them is the, the fact that there were really reacting to the music mm. uh, they were very expressive and every kind of very subtle uh, inflection i was trying to get i was getting so quickly uh. i was quite amazed uh, and also the concert hall is fantastic and the condition for working are really beautiful but i really like them very much but i was still so uh, surprised in a good way i mean when i got only a few weeks after uh, an offer from them to be the chief conductor because it it came from the musicians and i think for me that's the most important yes um, yeah. we can't achieve something if if the if the orchestra doesn't want you mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. and and then you can build this beautiful uh, relationship and this beautiful uh, uh, work full of uh, trust Yes. And this is, this is what I love. What's amazing about that is, and it's worth pointing out to those who have never conducted an orchestra or played in an orchestra, is that for an orchestra to follow every inflection, for, for them to almost second guess what you're about to do the first time you conduct them is a very rare thing. 
Um, some orchestras you can conduct and you can try all of the tricks that you have and they still don't get you. And, you know, that's when the chemistry isn't there. But to get that that you've got in Christian Sand is a, is a, is a wonderful thing. Um, it's happened yes. to me on a couple of occasions, but not often. And that, that really is a wonderful thing. Um, yes. I'm assuming Dublin is much the same. Yes, it, it was much the same. I came, um, I came for one week. Um, I did um, all the Malo Knabenwunderhorn and I did the Wagner um, Tristan, Liebestod mm. um, and, and some Tannhäuser things. And uh, again, I heard they, they went to the office to say, please bring her here because they are also very, very warm musicians, very, very musical, I must mm. say. Um, and I, I really liked it, and uh, it was it was wonderful, and the, we had wonderful three years together. As a violinist, I've never been in the position because I was just a, just an orchestral violinist. I was never a soloist, but. Um, I, you know, I do often stand next to violin soloists and conduct and accompany yeah. them in, in concertos. And occasionally I've thought, oh, I wonder why you do that fingering. I wonder why you do that bowing. But, you know, I don't get involved. I'm assuming it's much the same for you when you stand next to a singer. Do you, do you have to bite your lip sometimes and say, no, I'm, maybe I shouldn't say anything, maybe, you know, about phrasing or about a breathing thing? What's it like standing and accompanying as a conductor another singer? Sometimes it's difficult because mm. I mean, it really depends on the attitude of the singer. Yes. Uh, many of, of the singers I, I uh, hired are people uh, who really trust in me. And so when they ask, you know, when they ask me, what do you think of how should I do that? I, I, I can help them so much and I am mm. so happy to do it in the most positive way. Uh, but some other who are completely close or just very arrogant. It's difficult because uh, I, I don't really dare to say what I want to say because I am always a bit scared that they will say, oh, okay, yeah, okay, she's a singer, so she will show me how to sing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, but sometimes I remember I had a very arrogant singer like this and was quite in trouble and, okay, so I didn't say anything, but in, uh, at a, a rehearsal, um, I had to show in the orchestra something, so I just sang one line of not of the singer, but one line of the of the instrument. Mm. And my voice was really in a very very good shape. So <laughs> after that, <laughs> he he just just came down. <laughs> it was quite funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's an advantage you have. You know, every conductor sings, but you know because you feel that sometimes it's quicker to sing a phrase of music or sing it. You know, everybody yeah. sings. But yeah, you have a bit of an advantage there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. you, you save a lot of words. Yeah. And also you can show colors and things uh, and, and, and the way of shaping a phrase. It, of course, if I, if I sing it well, it, it speaks by itself so easily and I save so much time. Mm. Um, and briefly, um, putting the two things next to each other, your, your singing career and your conducting career, what percentage of the time in a normal year, let's not talk about today. What percentage of the time would you say that you do both now? And how do you split your life up? You know, um, I had to make some decisions because uh, I, I'm, I became so busy in a normal year as a conductor mm. uh, that I couldn't 
go on with with doing everything as a singer. So I I focus only on recitals with piano as a mm. singer and uh, some concerts with. It was in the past with Orfeo 55. Now my orchestra has disappeared, but I still have some musicians. Um, I still have a little group of people. I can do chamber music uh, and sing. Um, so I would say for the next seasons that it, it, it's about, let's say maybe, hmm, yeah, uh, about 15 percent of the season is about singing. I, I would mm. I will do one or two touring. Next year I have next May I have a, a leader Abend tour and then I will probably have uh, some uh, Bach singing in the summer. Um, so I would say if I do about twelve or maximum fifteen concerts as a singer per year, it's a perfect um, balance for me. Mm. It's just uh, the pleasure to keep um, to keep in touch with my instrument and you know sometimes it's just so relaxing to not tell people how they should play but just do it yourself <laughs> yeah. it's, it's yeah. very relaxing yeah. um, but uh, of course mainly i am really um, a conductor now yeah, well especially you know being a chief conductor in christian sound it's not just about when you go there to conduct your however many weeks you've contracted to conduct you're probably on the end of a phone or an email in the, for the rest of the year Talking Absolutely. about next season, talking about guest conductors, talking about soloists. Lots take, of meetings yeah, and yeah. Uh, and uh, how to how to um, deal with the problems. Actually, it takes a lot of time as well. Yeah, uh, another thing that takes a lot of time, which I've asked virtually all of my conductors on the podcast, is score preparation and marking. And I know that the conductor geeks love this section of the podcast. So when you come to learn a new score, do you have a, a system? Do you sit at the piano and look at it, or do you just read it? And when you learn a new score, do you write things in your scores? About 50% of the people say they write nothing, and about 50% say they write loads of things. What do you do? Well, I, I really take it, I mean, talking about when we have enough time to study, because sometimes you are in a rush and you are acting a bit differently, but let's say in an, in an ideal day of study, mm, yeah. <laughs> um, I really start to read uh, without marking. Mm. Um, I usually, I, I really work like with the telescope. Mm. I really start to read the, the full score. Um, and I am coming day by day, every day opening the same score, every next day going into details more and more. Mm. Um, I need to have a very clear, um, architecture, uh, mathematic view of the score. Mm -hmm. uh, I really, the, the base for me is to understand how it works <laughs> like a game. So I really need to know, you know, the structure, if this works with eight bars or 10 bars or 12 bars or this kind of mathematic thing uh, to have a, a building up view. Mm. And then, um, of course, it depends, but I, I, as I, I am a pianist, I, I, I play things on the piano. I love to, to play the scores, the orchestra scores on the piano. I love to, to play the lines and just uh, sing the lines. Mm. Um, and there is also a point where I listen all versions I can find. And mm. in our guide, uh, we are, it's very luxurious if you think about how complicated it was in the, in the past. Mm. Because you can find every kind of uh, interpretations on on the internet, 
Um, and I love to listen to also old recordings. Mm. Yeah, the Not classic really. the classic recordings. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's, it's very interesting, you know. Uh, as much as I can listen, I do. Uh, I never listen to one version of one work uh, because this this could this could be limited uh, in your view of of the score. So mm. it, I think it's very interesting when you already know the score well enough to listen but not too early you know just to i need to have already my my vision before i listen but then i listen to everything mm. and then after i mark uh what seems essential to me mm. so i don't know if i mark a lot but my scores are very um there are lots of marks but it's very clean i'm yes. very maniac with that i was going to say that yeah i'm my scores are full of markings but i like to keep them very neat and tidy i wouldn't be a scribbler i'm not a, a jackson pollock type person you know um, <laughs> or schulte scores have you seen the schulte yeah i have yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah it's full of red signs and he was marking everything in red so it's 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 amazing because you sometimes you can't read anything <laughs> Natalie, it is time for the 10 questions. And as ever, I will start with, what sound or noise do you love and what sound or noise do you hate? How to answer smartly to that. I mean, there are hundreds uh, possible mm. answers, but uh, I, I must say, I love the tuning of the orchestra. <laughs> mm, so do I, yeah. Um, I even love the noise backstage as they're warming up to go on. I, because exactly. I, I, because I used to be a player, I always come down five minutes early so I can hear them warming yes. up. It gets me in the mood. <laughs> exactly, and, and when you hear this sound, you know you are in your element, and you are in. You are going to do what you love most on earth to do. So, especially in those time of COVID, I must say, that's one of the sound I miss most than anything else. Mm. Is when I hear the musicians tuning. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, what sound do you hate? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I I hate everything which is too violent. Mm. Because I, I, I mean, it, what I think is the most difficult in our this is this aggressivity around. Mm. And every every sound which would become aggressive without any meaning would disturb. If you had 24 hours free, what would you like to spend it doing? I would love to take a boat and go on a little island in the Mediterranean where I know a place mm. and swim and watch the, the fish and do a picnic on the boat and mm. come back with the sun rays and a glass of champagne. That sounds great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who would be a favourite conductor of yesteryear? Yeah, well, Carlos Kleiber. Mm. He's a very popular choice. <laughs> I can imagine. There's nothing original in my answer. <laughs> <laughs> and who would be a favourite current conductor? Oh, I can't answer that. No, Tanya Harding said it was a very mean question. And some people have said, well, they, they give me answers that are specific to repertoire. Um, yeah, because, I mean, 
it would hurt too many people. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. <laughs> what is the hardest work you have ever conducted? Well, you know, um, I would say the hardest work probably to conduct is the Mateus patient. Mm. And, um, you know, I was dreaming to conduct the Mateus patient since years. Uh, it's really one of the work I, I adore on earth. Um, and it's, I didn't do it uh, until recently because it's not my core repertoire, you no. know. Of course, I could say one of the hardest things I, have, I did was the Mephisto of Boito or the Tannhäuser of Wagner because the dimension is so mm. big that physically, mentally, you have to be really uh, marathonian. Mm. Uh, but uh, I remember years after I was reading a book uh, about Karayan interviews and the journalist asked him, what's the most difficult thing to conduct? And he said, Matthew's patient. And, and the journalist was surprised because, but Hakai, uh, and you just did the, the ring of Wagner, you did this and that, and Strauss and this and that. And he said, yes, but the Matthew's patient is much more difficult because you have everything. Yeah. You have two orchestras, two choir, you have the soloist, you have the recitativo accompagnato, you have the, the, the flow, you have to flow this for four hours, etc., etc. And he was talking about. Uh, his experience of watching other conductors doing Matthew's patient, he was saying, when I see the back of them, I just see their shoulders. And after two minutes, I can tell you if they are dead by the score, if the score is killing them or not. <laughs> and, and the first time I did the Matthew's patient, I, I, I have completely forgotten this, this. And the first time when I finished, I said, oh man, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> When traveling abroad to conduct, what item could you not leave home without? My score, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you always make sure you have your own scores? Always, mm. always. And I carry it with me. And if I have to prepare um, a huge opera like I did recently, um, I mean, a Wagner, Wagner opera is about 12 kilos to carry on. I will mm. never leave it in, in a suitcase or whatever. I carry no. everything with me. It's gold for me. It's it's gold because my marks, even if they are not so much, they are leading my my future interpretation. Mm. Well, it, it, I mean, some people say, "Well, why have I let, let you answer with score?" But actually, the, first of all, you're the first person to say scores. Um, secondly, there have been conductors who've come on here and said, "You know what? I I, I could turn up and use the score that the orchestras." Gave, give me because it's clean and tidy and I, I already have it in my head. So I like your answer because I'm ex I'm pretty much like you. If I can, I will have my own score with my own markings in it. it it's, oh, yeah. my, it's my Bible. Um, it, has, it has an influence of the way you will conduct. What is the one thing you would change about being a conductor? Hmm. Well, I, I don't I don't like to talk about that, but but of course, as one of the successful women conductor, I would love to see um, before I die that um, a woman conductor is just a conductor. Uh. I think it's important, and I hope it will it will come. Mm. So do I, um, and a wonderful answer. Thank you.
what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Honestly, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> also, I love to play golf, but honestly, no. No. <laughs> well, I, I just love what I do. Yeah. I mean, go golf is very good, but I mean, the travel will be just as bad. And uh... <laughs> Exactly. Except I could have a caddy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're going to carry 12 kilo scores of Wagner around with you, a caddy wouldn't be a bad thing, would it? Yeah. Well, I think that's the only disadvantage to be a woman, actually, is that you, are, you, you have a bit less of muscles to carry the scores. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> if the world were to end tonight, what would be your choice of final meal and drink? Well, the drink for sure, a good glass of red Bordeaux. Mm. And meal. Oh, my God. I don't know. Maybe just a good French cheese mm. with this wine. Mm, that's... <laughs> and a French crusty baguette. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, but, not bad. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Simple, <laughs> but tasty. Mm. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, what a joy it's been, Natalie. Thoroughly enjoyed our chat together, and I hope to see you soon. Thank you very much, Michael. It was a pleasure to talk to you. and. Uh, it's a great idea you had. I think it's very, very nice to have those podcasts and I will be happy to listen to my colleagues how they deal with your questions. It's really interesting. <laughs> a mic on the podium was devised and produced by Michael Seal with music by Ben Dawson. Next time, I chat to a conductor who not only founded his own ensemble, but also founded his own record label. His career spans the entire breadth of classical music from medieval to the modern day. Until then, bye bye.